0: You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Chapter Leadership Committee member of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and Ace Copy Editor. Hi, Cindy.
1: (laughs) Hi, Jeremy. Thanks.
0: Today is May 1st, 2022, and this is episode 171 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we will hear an interview with Hetjan Boer of the Dutch Lighthouse Society, discussing the preservation of the lighthouses in the Netherlands. How is uh, spring going in Arizona, Cindy?
1: Well, it's really pleasant here, I have to say. Um, It's warm, but not too hot during the day, and then pretty cool at night, and lots of really neat wildlife
0: sounds good it, it was is. a beautiful day here on the new hampshire sea coast today in the 60s oh, and sunny yeah
1: finally right <laughs> did two
0: two walks outside today and enjoyed it
1: very, nice very
0: but i'm going to michigan in a few days and i understand it was uh, 32 and snowing in the upper peninsula where i'm heading
1: oh boy uh, So we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah i've been in arizona before i know it's beautiful but mm-hmm. do you ever miss the coast and the lighthouses oh uh,
1: yes definitely on my recent trip back home, I drove up the coast of New Hampshire and got some clam chowder one day. And then another day I met our good friend and other regular co-host, Michelle, for a nice visit at Nubble Light in Cape Nuttick, Maine.
0: That's a pretty special place, good yeah. place to meet. Yeah.
1: So I kind of got my uh, seacoast you know, ocean and lighthouse fix while I was there. Excellent. hmm
0: Yeah, that's important. you got to get that, that fix now and then. So, Absolutely. Glad you, glad you got there. <laughs> so we'll get to our discussion of Dutch lighthouses in a minute. But have any interesting things happened on this date in lighthouse history, Cindy? Yep.
1: On May 1st, 1862, the current Navisink twin lights in Highland, New Jersey, were first lighted. The light station was considered the primary landfall for vessels heading to New York Harbor. The station was given two lights to make it easy for mariners to differentiate it from Sandy Hook light and the Sandy Hook lightship offshore. The architecture of the brownstone towers is often compared to a medieval castle.
0: The Navisink Twin Lights station was the first in the country to get Fresnel lenses from France. The lenses were put into operation in March 1841. New first-order lenses were installed when the station was rebuilt in 1862. The north light was discontinued in 1898 and the south light was given a new first-order bivalve Fresnel lens from Paris, powered by an electricity plant on the site.
1: The new light was so blindingly powerful that the keepers had to wear protective goggles if they entered the lantern room when the light was on. There were many complaints from neighbors about the light. It disturbed sleep and caused nervous afflictions, they said. Cows refused to give milk, and chickens stopped laying eggs. The lighthouse board took mercy, and some of the lantern panes on the land side were darkened to shield the neighbors from the light. The
0: 1898 first-order lens from the South Tower is now on display in the former powerhouse. And I just want to throw in here, too, that I, uh, I saw that lens back in the days when it was at the Boston Museum of Science when I was a kid. It was on display there for, for quite a few years before it mm. went back to the Navisink Twin Lights. And that would definitely have been the first Fresnel lighthouse lens I ever saw in my life. And oh. I think it had an impact on me. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> it must anyway, have. yeah. Uh,
0: the museum at the Twin Lights Historic Site, a National Historic Landmark, is open all year. So, Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about our guest today, Hetjan de Boer of the Dutch Lighthouse Association.
1: Sure, Jeremy. The country of the Netherlands conjures images of canals, fields of tulips, and windmills, but the country is also home to dozens of historic lighthouses, and some of them are major tourist attractions. Dutch lighthouse history reaches all the way back to the 14th century.
0: The Dutch Lighthouse Association was founded in 1992 with the objective of uniting people with a fascination for lighthouses. In more recent years, the association has worked to preserve and repurpose historic maritime structures in the Netherlands, including lighthouses and lightships. Four times each year, the association publishes a magazine with articles about lighthouses and their preservation.
1: Our guest today, Hetjan Boer, is a board member of the Dutch Lighthouse Association. He works in heritage preservation at the National Dutch Heritage Agency, and he's also currently working on a book on the lights of the Scheldt River.
0: Hetjan's first name, by the way, is spelled G-E-R-T-J-A-N. You'll hear that we discussed the uh, proper pronunciation in the interview. I spoke with Hetjan recently via Zoom. Let's listen to our conversation now. I'm speaking today with Jan de Boer of the uh, Dutch Lighthouse Association. In a moment, I'm going to ask Jan to properly pronounce his uh, full name. I'm uh, using his nickname, basically, Jan, but uh, his name is hard for my American tongue to pronounce. But it's now evening where Jan is in Utrecht in the Netherlands. It's mid-afternoon here in uh, New Hampshire. We're speaking via Zoom. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Jan.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Jeremy.
0: Could you pr- go ahead and properly pronounce your, your name for me, please? Yeah,
2: I will. Yeah. For people from abroad, my name is uh, pretty hard to pronounce, but it's gert There are actually two names combined.
0: gert Is that remotely close? <laughs>
2: that was very good, actually.
0: <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, starting out, uh, we're going to talk about the Dutch Lighthouse Association, talk a bit about the, some of the Dutch lighthouses, but how did you personally get involved with the, uh, the Lighthouse Association?
2: Yeah, well, my fascination for lighthouses uh, started uh, at a young age. I remember visiting lighthouses with my uh, parents on holidays. And during my study history, I started history in Groningen. I started to get more and more interested in maritime history. And of course, I think, uh, as you know, the Netherlands is a seafaring country. Our history is uh, very much entangled with uh, international trade and exploring. Then after my study in history, I specialized in heritage. I found out that I was actually more interested in the remains of history in our daily life than uh, in archives and books. And I became especially interested in how people used to navigate in our rivers in the Netherlands. So I uh, did my final thesis on the Belgium system of lights, which was built on the Dutch soil. So on the um, on Dutch ground, which led uh, ships to the uh, harbor of Antwerp. And after that, I was actually hooked. I became a member like two and a half years ago. And for one year now, one and a half year, I'm also a board member. And I am especially looking at uh, the ways how we can maintain the heritage. So the, the part of what we can do in the future with the lighthouses. And also to uh, uh, make sure that the lights keep burning, because that's uh, a big challenge here in the Netherlands. We are a small country, as you probably know, but the ambi- ambitions are uh, very big. Yeah. And uh, space is very scarce here. So it's a challenge. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it always is every, everywhere. And I think you agree. It kind of goes hand in hand, preserving the actual structures and preserving their history. We need to, to do both. And I think that's what your organization uh, is doing. You, you mentioned to me that you are actually working on a, a book. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I am. I'm working on a, a small book on the same subject where I did my uh, master thesis on. This is a very interesting uh, topic. Belgium was once, uh, with the Netherlands, one kingdom. And in 18- 1830, they uh, uh, gained their independence. But their biggest harbor, which is Antwerp, it's a well known city and a very big uh, harbor, one of the biggest in the world, can only be, be reached by the Scheldt, it's a uh, river. But the, the Scheldt River um, goes through the Netherlands. So they had to build uh, lighthouses and a system of lights in a Dutch river right after a war so it's a very interesting topic and the dutch actually tried to to stop them and also with in mind our own harbors like rotterdam and amsterdam maybe we'll get to those uh, harbors later but but still today these uh, these structures are still there most of them they are kind of forgotten these lighthouses and they are still property of the belgian state but still on the dutch ground so it's a very mm-hmm. interesting theme and i'm, I'm yeah i'm indeed uh, working on a small book on that.
0: excellent I look forward to to seeing that. Yeah, I was just uh, reading online uh, when I was uh, trying to do a little bit of research. I didn't realize that Antwerp is absolutely one of the the biggest ports in the world, if not the biggest. Uh, is, yeah. Which, yeah, I knew it was big, but I didn't realize it was it was that busy. So very interesting. And uh, how many how many lighthouses in the Netherlands?
2: Yeah, approximately it's like fifty five, but it okay. it, it, it um, it's always the definition of a lighthouse, which right. is quite uh, hard to to say what is a lighthouse and what's a smaller light, but let's say around 55.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Same, same thing here. There's some debate over what, what is an official lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to give exact counts. Is there a government agency that still manages uh, the lighthouses and aids to navigation in the Netherlands? Yes,
2: uh, there is, but it's, um, Quite complex situation. We have the Department for Infrastructure and Water in the Netherlands. Uh, mm-hmm. They used to own all the, the lighthouses and also all the smaller lights. But during the time they, uh, when the lighthouses are losing their function now, eh, for they try to get rid of them, actually, just to turn off the light and to demolish them. But some of them are monumental of national value. That means they cannot be demolished. And actually, there is a law in the Netherlands that everything that is a monument of national value has has to be maintained. So the department has to maintain those lighthouses, but they are now asking questions about do we also have to keep the, the light on? What is the definition of maintaining? Is that just sometimes some paint or is that also keeping the fresnel lamp uh, intact? Now, we, it, it's getting harder and harder to keep them in good uh, shape. Yeah. In short, yes, the state the state owns them and should maintain them, but the reality is as you can uh, imagine more complex.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's similar in in many countries including the United States where uh, our Coast Guard still owns a lot of the lighthouses, but gradually other organizations are getting involved in their preservation. Similar things are happening all over the world, I think. In uh, Netherlands are there various types of organizations that are working uh, besides yours, but uh, maybe in, uh, individual organizations working with individual lighthouses. Is that happening uh, uh, around the country as well?
2: Yeah, this is f- interesting uh, topic, uh, Jeremy, because um, what we see lately is we have one lighthouse in the Netherlands, which is in a very bad state. It's called the Lange Jaap uh, near Den Helder. Uh, it's, it's actually the biggest lighthouse in the Netherlands. And it was almost on the brink of collapse uh, like a couple of months ago. It's also a, a monument of national value, so then the debate came, and uh, the policymakers were thinking maybe we can actually demolish it, maybe we can, uh, yeah, j- just just uh, get rid of it. And then you saw uh, the local community and other interest group really standing up. You could you could see how they were identifying themselves with that lighthouse. They were really a lot of uh, tens of thousands of people were actually signing a petition. They were going to the Our government with a paper saying how much they found this of value. When the future of the lighthouse is in debate, you can see the local community standing up, and that's a very interesting uh, new form of protest. Uh, And besides that, we also yeah, our associations of course is of course uh, always uh, working on this, but also other heritage um, voluntary organizations are also keeping lighthouses in mind. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's a similar situation in in this country and a lot of other places where, you know, I think people in a lot of these communities see the lighthouse as an essential uh, sort of centerpiece or icon of their communities. Would you say that's the case there as well in uh, these coastal communities?
2: Yeah, definitely. People were making socks with the lighthouse and and, uh, selling them online to get money for uh, maintaining it. People Mm -hmm. were uh, um, handing out petitions. People were... um, calling uh, the local government, but also the national government, sending emails. It was in the national news. It was uh, in the papers for like three weeks. There were people actually almost crying uh, when they heard the news. So in the, indeed that, that sense of identifying with that object, it was very interesting. And also what was uh, quite surprising, pretty close to there is the, the Marines in the Netherlands. Um, the, the, our national Marine, and they were also in protest because they have these, these annual exercise where they were dropped somewhere in the North Sea and they had to get back to their barracks mm-hmm. just by using the, the light of the lighthouse. So when they heard that the lighthouse was uh, maybe going to get demolished, they were also in protest. So there was also in the, uh, yeah, I didn't expect that. Nobody did, but it's was uh, cool.
0: Yeah, interesting. Everybody loves lighthouses, which is a good thing. Uh, translating it into actual money to keep up the lighthouses is not always easy, but people people love them all over. So let's talk about the Dutch Dutch Lighthouse Association. Two part question: uh, How old is it? When did it start? The Dutch Lighthouse Association, and what are the primary missions of the association?
2: It, it was uh, established in 1992, so we are 30 years now. We have uh, 537 members. Uh, some even from abroad, one is in Mexico, one is in Sweden, some Germans. And we have three, uh, three main missions. Um, we contribute to the preservation of maritime heritage in the Netherlands, especially lighthouses, of course. We promote and we also uh, try to make archives accessible on the team of lighthouses. Um, and of course, we share with each other the interesting, uh, the interest and the fascination for the phenomenon of lighthouses in general. So we also do excursions um, in the Netherlands a couple of times a year, but also abroad. Like uh, uh, we're going to Northern France this year for a week. So that's what we do. We, we don't do tours with people who are not member, only for members. But that way we also have the contribution uh, annually. So we also have some money to, to organize ourselves. But it's all okay. voluntary work.
0: Are these like bus tours you're talking about, or
2: yeah, bus tours? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boat, we also visited uh, uh, Great Britain, for example, but mm-hmm. not, not, never to the America, for for example, not that far. But uh,
0: come over here sometime. I can yeah, maybe help cool. you out with yeah. that. I would love to see that happen, yeah. and uh, I'd also love to. Uh, well, the U.S. Lighthouse Society has taken tours to the Netherlands in the past. I think it's been a, a few years, but. Uh, Jeff Gales, the director who you've met uh, via Zoom, I know has been there, I think, on one of those tours. And I hope to do it uh, one of these years. I hope that'll happen.
2: Just let us know.
0: Yeah. I w- Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really hope that happens. So the association, Dutch Lighthouse Association, publishes a quarterly magazine. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: yeah. What is it called? It's
2: called the Vuurboot.
0: Uh, so that's the Dutch word for lighthouse, right? No, it's not. It's not. Oh, yeah. what is the Dutch word for lighthouse? Oh, okay, okay.
2: And Furboot is like uh, an, an old name, which you can read in, in old texts. It was more like um, an, an oil lamp uh, in the Middle Ages, for example. We use the old word for lighthouse. It's yeah. The name for our magazine. Yeah.
0: okay okay thank you for clarifying that for me i knew the the, the first part of the word is the same but i, I confused the words uh and what uh, other hi- historical articles in the magazine what types of things
2: yeah we uh yeah we also we, we have historical uh, articles every time like two or three uh sometimes lighthouses from the netherlands sometimes from abroad and we also have theme every uh, number um for example, people who collect lighthouses or who paint lighthouses, where it's it's more the the way people identify themselves with a the lighthouse and they explain what what it uh, why they do it like that and, and what their motivation is to to for example paint every painting a lighthouse or to uh, collect small lighthouses. Within the association, we have three members, and I am one of them. Who only I don't I don't write articles. I. I write, for example, a letter to a local municipality when a lighthouse is uh, uh, in danger. So it's like heritage protection group of volunteers.
0: And uh, I just uh, gave you an article for the the magazine as as well, <laughs> a little yeah. overview of uh, American lighthouse history and uh, the U- U.S. Lighthouse Society. So thank you for giving me that opportunity.
2: For our next number, we uh, I'm going to translate it and. In our next number, we will uh, publish this, yeah.
0: Excellent, excellent. I look forward to to seeing it. Uh, so let's talk a bit about some of the, the notable lighthouses in the Netherlands. And uh, you've mentioned a couple already that I've, uh, I've heard of. Uh, are there some that are really popular tourist attractions?
2: Yes, some are definitely. As I'm thinking about this, I would like to highlight three of them. Mm-hmm. Together, you could say that they somehow tell the story of the history of the Netherlands. So I will begin with the first one now. As you probably know, the Dutch live with water. We live in a delta. Half of our country lies under sea level, and we have six very big rivers coming from the hinterland to the sea, through the Netherlands. So our history is, of course, a history which is very connected with water. We have uh, permanently a battle with water, but it's also hugely profitable, due to the great maritime connections we have, and we always had. So the first lighthouse is the, which I would like to, to name here is the Brandares. It's on Terschelling. It's one of the islands in the North. There was first one was there built in the 14th century, like 20 of 1324, I think it's very early. It was built there as a lighting guide to warn people that these five islands were there. But the sea in the Netherlands, the sea takes land back these islands are actually moving. So there's sand coming on the east and sand removing on the west. So in 1570, 200 years later, this tower was completely swallowed by the sea. And then the people built a new one in 1594, and that one is still standing there. And for me, this kind of symbolizes the struggle we as the Dutch have with water. We lose some land every time, and we also lose uh, uh, buildings and also lives, of course. The next one, uh, which I would like to mention here, uh, is near Amsterdam. The Dutch had their golden age in the 17th century, so 1600s, 1700s. You probably know the great paintings, the Rembrandts, um, and you also probably know the, the Amsterdam houses and the canals. This is all from the 17th century. This also most of our protected heritage is from this uh, 100 years. During this age, Amsterdam was the biggest harbor in the world, and our ships moved everywhere. So this lighthouse was built just outside Amsterdam, on the east. It was, It is now actually uh, Sweet Lake, but it used to be uh, Salt Sea there. The first lighthouse built there is unknown, but it's probably 14th or 15th century. And the first stone one was built there in the 17th century, just to guide the ships to Amsterdam, like the hundreds of ships, thousands of ships each year that were going to the Amsterdam harbor. So... This one, which you can still see, it's, it's, it's later um, a bit changed in AD 38, but it's still standing there. It's really beautiful, it's standing on a small island just east of Amsterdam. And for me, this one symbolizes the wealth, the wealth that the water always brought up. So the first one symbolized for me the danger water is, and this one symbolizes the wealth, this lighthouse. And the last one I want to point out is called Kraggeburg. It's also a very hard name, I think, for mm. you to pronounce, but it's called Kracheburg. uh, um, some hundred years later, just after the Second World War. This is a period where the Dutch, again, tried to maintain the water. They actually had great ideas. It was a a period just after the Second World War where people were really looking at the future. And the idea in the Netherlands came to create a piece of land which used to be water, but on a scale which we had never done before as we used to using windmills and, and sometimes like 10 windmills uh, to pump the water out. Now we use huge machines. And we didn't do it with a, a sweet lake, but with a salt sea. We decided to get the salt sea the water out. We call it actually in Polderen in the Netherlands. So in 1941, during the Second World War, this project was started. They started pumping. And one year later, one year of pumping, this sea... Uh, was dry, but what you, you could see now is these, these islands that used to be in that sea, were now like hills in the landscape. So mm. if you're looking at this uh, lighthouse, it's now standing in the middle of only land. So you, you've got everywhere you look, you see ar- agricultural land. And then in the middle of it, you suddenly see a lighthouse, which looks really bizarre. And you have to know the Dutch history to understand why it is uh, standing there so this one symbolizes for me the knowledge of water that we have in the netherlands that we always live and work with water but it also shows the uh, enormous impact that we as the dutch as the people in the netherlands have on our landscape nothing in the netherlands is even close to natural everything in the netherlands is man-made and that's very interesting but it's also kind of shocking to realize these three uh lighthouses um, are also very popular by people to visit because they're also very beautiful, but they also tell the story of the Netherlands. Yeah,
0: yeah, very interesting. It's interesting how lighthouses everywhere, you know, have so many stories to tell, and they're kind of uh, like sort of like a window into history. And uh, you start exploring the history of a lighthouse, and you know, like you said, why it's uh, why it looks like it's so far inland now, and it tells you a lot about the uh, the history of the area. So are there also uh, any lighthouses where people can spend the night? Like we have We have a, some of those in this country. Is, is that being done at all there?
2: Yeah, well, only two, only two. Okay. So, as I said, most of the lighthouses are still owned by the state and they actually close them off. They, they aren't even able to visit them. So that's, uh, that's a pity. But two of them are now uh, in private hands and, and you can indeed uh, uh, sleep in there. And I know that... Uh, Quite some marriages started there. I know that people are uh, pronounced uh, their uh, fiancée, as their girlfriends to marry there.
0: Yeah, Lighthouses seem to be a popular place for proposals. It happens here too. So people uh, might not realize that Rotterdam, is Rotterdam even a bigger port than Antwerp? They're, they're two of the biggest ports in the the world, right? Uh, and uh, there must be a, a lot of lighthouses around uh Rotterdam, but also Amsterdam uh, yeah. also. Those are all huge ports.
2: Well, it, it, is, it is very interesting. Um, in the 17th century, Amsterdam was a very big harbor city also in the, in the 18th century. So the lighthouses in the surrounding of Amsterdam are mostly brick and older. And the Rotterdam has only been quite recently been growing uh, absurdly after the Second World War. Uh, in the in the 60s and 70s, it was actually the biggest harbor in the world. So the lighthouses that you can find there are very mm-hmm. functional structures. Yeah. Quite beautiful actually. And what's it's also interesting in the in the harbor of, of Rotterdam is because it's growing so fast that you have these lighthouses from the 60s close to the city, and then from the 70s a little further uh, to the North Sea, and then from the 80s. So you can actually uh, do a kind of tour and and see where the when where the harbor grew and where the new lighthouses were being built just further to the uh, north sea coast just when you you compare them the lighthouses uh, near amsterdam and rotterdam they completely different uh, types of light, uh, lighthouses yeah
0: is there anything else that occurs to you to do with the history of the lighthouses there uh and maybe especially anything to do with the the people the keepers uh and families these people who used to live at the lighthouses
2: yeah, well, in the Netherlands, um, from the 70s, they were all uh, automated. So they, uh, uh, the keepers all left their uh, keeper houses. But it's, it's quite interesting when you look at the, the sources and the historical uh, stories that we have that most of the keepers wanted to stay in those buildings. They were really, really um, they, they, of, of course, they, they loved where they lived, but they also loved their jobs. So when the, they decided to automate them all, there are some stories that they wrote letters or asked, "Could can we just stay here as long as we can? They also had actually quite a responsibility, you probably know that, but they, sometimes they had to maintain four or five lighthouses close to each other. And when one of these lights went out, they were actually responsible if an accident happened. And they also had to keep the, uh, uh, you know, when it's foggy outside, they have to
0: in this country, we had at some places fog horns, yeah, fog uh, horns. some places yeah. bells, fog bells. Did you no, have, have a, a lot of uh, fog horns at, at Dutch yeah. lighthouses?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you mm-hmm. see these little pictures, there's, most of them have these uh fog horns, yeah? yeah, right next to the building. So there are also some stories where they live with like uh, five or six kids and, uh, and a wife, and during the night, they have to use this fog horn all the time. So it was uh, challenging to live there, I think.
0: Do you still have active fog signals at some of the lighthouses? Are those those still? Are they completely turned off at this point?
2: They're completely turned off. Yeah,
0: they are. Okay, I didn't realize that. I know that the country of Ireland, I think about ten years ago, discontinued all their fog signals, and I know that it's being discussed in a lot of countries. But I didn't realize that your country isn't isn't using those. I think they they don't have the obviously the value to navigation that they once had. Do you know if there are any old fog signals at light stations in the Netherlands that are operated for demonstration purposes. Like we have some here and in England, some of the old, you know, um, horns that run on compressed air, that kind of thing. It's very, very loud. You don't have anything like that?
2: We don't. Okay. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah. They're pretty incredible. The sounds. (laughs) You talked about the tours that uh, the Dutch Lighthouse Association runs I was looking online and I saw that a, our organization called Operation Europe uh, offers an 11-day lighthouse tour starting in Amsterdam. Is that, do you have any connection with that or is that a totally separate thing?
2: It's totally separate. We do trips abroad multiple times uh, a year. But um, it's only for our own members and we don't organize with, uh, with other partners. Maybe it is a good idea for the future. You, you mentioned it in the beginning of our conversation that uh, you do these tours. hmm Maybe it's a good idea for us to uh, consider this actually, yeah, but for now we don't now only our own members uh, uh, are able to subscribe for our tours
0: yeah. uh-huh well, I hope this is the the start of a discussion leading towards the next u uh, s lighthouse society tour uh, in your country. I would love to see that happen, and I'm gonna lobby to be a part of it when it does <laughs> when it does happen. Uh, and maybe there could be uh, some cooperation between the organizations. I think that would be wonderful and vice versa. If you guys want to have a tour in the United States, by all means, let us know and uh, we can we can help make things happen uh, if you ever feel like crossing the, the pond over this way. That
2: would uh, be very cool.
0: Yeah. 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 So let me ask you a final question for bonus points, okay? Uh, and that question is, why do you feel it's important to preserve lighthouses?
2: Well, it's especially um, for the Netherlands, it's because they are so intertwined with our history. What I try to explain with these three lighthouses, in the Netherlands, our history uh, is so uh, full of our maritime history. And if you reach the theme of maritime history in Netherlands, you, you immediately uh, come to the lighthouses so for the Netherlands the the preservation of the the lighthouses actually of the preservation of our own history. And for for me personally it's just something I've always uh, had a fascination for. So for me personally I I can't imagine losing these lighthouses and I will try everything to uh, to to keep them for now and in the future. Yeah.
0: Excellent. You you grew up near the coast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the ocean was a, was an interest uh, something that attracted you when you were young yeah.
2: yeah yeah I grew up in Friesland it's a it's a province in the north with a lot mm-hmm. of water
0: yeah
2: and we have in the in the west of the Netherlands we have these sand coasts and in the north we have these very hard dikes just to keep the sea out mm-hmm. uh, and if you walk on these dikes you see uh, lighthouses uh, in the in the west, and you see them in the north on the on the small islands, just uh, uh, in the sea. Yeah. Yeah, and when we visited them with my parents, I was always looking at them. So it's uh, yeah, that's something that happens. Yeah.
0: I understand. I grew up on the coast, and I I wasn't really aware of lighthouses as a kid. But I something about islands, looking out and seeing islands, I found them very intriguing. I think that goes for a lot of people living on the coast. Well, Jan de Boer, I just want to thank you so much. It's uh, it's really interesting, and we I think a lot of us U.S. lighthouse buffs are aware that uh, there's some really historic uh, lighthouses. I mean, but your lighthouse history uh, in your country goes back to the 1300s, which is pretty amazing. There were not many lighthouses in the world, so it just shows the maritime importance of the Netherlands, uh, and uh, it's all interesting. And thank you so much for sharing this information. And I wish you all the luck in the world with the Dutch Lighthouse Association and all your efforts to uh, preserve Dutch lighthouses and their history. So thank thank you so much, Jan. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me again. And uh, it was an honor.
1: The website of the Dutch Lighthouse Association is at www.weertorens.org. That's V-U-U-R-T-O-R-E-N-S dot Most of it is in Dutch, but if you select English at the top, you can read the introduction in English. There's also a video posted on the front page that you can watch with English subtitles.
0: And I'll just mention that Virtoren uh, is the Dutch word for lighthouse, as actually we talked about uh, with Hetian uh, in the, the interview. And as Hetian said, the Dutch have an extremely rich maritime history. The Dutch Navy was the most powerful navy in the world for a while in the 1600s. Today, the port of Rotterdam is the largest seaport in Europe and the 10th largest in the world in terms of annual cargo tonnage. It was a pleasure speaking with Hetian for today's interview, and I'm really hoping I can visit his country one of these years. Next, we're going to have a Be a Lighthouse segment.
1: Our Be a Lighthouse segments honor people and organizations who are doing good in our communities. Today, we're honoring Eloise Brooks in Asheville, North Carolina.
0: Thirteen-year-old Eloise has been setting up a stand near her home in Asheville, selling homemade hot chocolate to raise money for UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, an agency that provides humanitarian and developmental aid to children worldwide.
1: She told a local TV station that she learned about the crisis in Ukraine and felt it was important to get involved. She said, quote, if I can do something, it's worth helping, unquote. Eloise said she just hopes her efforts help the Ukrainians in some way. As of late March, she had already raised more than $800.
0: Our thanks to Eloise Brooks for shining her light as a lighthouse in her community.
1: Thanks, as always, to everyone associated with the U.S. Lighthouse Society in Hansville, Washington, and around the world. Go to uslhs.org to learn more about the tours, preservation grants, and everything the society offers. Memberships and donations help support this podcast.
0: If you listen through Apple Podcasts or any platform that lets you post reviews, please rate and review us.
1: The author Charles Dickens once said, quote, No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. On
0: next week's episode of Lighthearted, we'll be talking with Shannon King, curator for the Fort Rod Hill and Fisgard Lighthouse National Historic Site in British Columbia, Canada. As always, to all our regular listeners and to our new ones, thank you so much for listening and
1: keep a good light.